Hey y'all, welcome to the Anxiety Warriors podcast. We are your hosts, Margo and Abby. We are friends, teachers, and storytellers, but above all, we're anxiety warriors on a mission to raise awareness and understanding about anxiety and mental health. You will hear honest, engaging, and joyful stories from us and many other anxiety warriors about living with anxiety. If you're seeking a space to laugh, connect, feel inspired and empowered, and learn valuable tips rooted in mindfulness and more, your warrior community is here for you. Join us as we navigate this journey of life together. Welcome, warriors. Yay! We are so stoked for you all to hear this incredible second interview of our third season. Yes. Lots of numbers again. <laughs> I don't know why I do that. I, it feels really natural to me. I'm, and I hate math too, but I do love numbers. <laughs> yes. 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 Our so second we- interview in our third season. I'm Woo! just proud that I didn't mess it up. <laughs> you got it right. Yeah. Woo. Good job, me. All right, Warriors, we spoke to a wonderful, wonderful person. Her name is Karen Schock. Mm-hmm. And before Abby dives into her recap, let me let you all know a little bit about who Karen is. Karen Schock's love for writing began when she received her first diary as a young girl. The lock and key made it easy for her to tell the diary some honest, dramatic truths about herself. All these years later, she still loves to put pen to paper and write out her deepest longings, wildest dreams, and biggest fears. The only difference now is there is no longer a lock and key on her thoughts. As time went on, she began to understand that putting the truth out there for the whole world to read might be scary, but the vulnerability was worth the risk. She wants all readers to know that they are not alone. Karen lives in Fort Wayne, Indiana with her husband, Kevin. They have four adult children, four grandchildren, and one on the way. She is currently a writer for Pathios, and her first book, Too Much and Not Enough, is coming out on April 18th. You can reach her at KarenRuthShock.com. All right, Abby, let's hear about this chat. Yes. So I, I am just so incredibly grateful that we connected with Karen. Um, we, neither one of us knew Karen. It was our first time meeting her and she's just an incredible, loving, light human being. Like I can't, I can't, I just felt so connected to her, um, during her story. Yeah. Right. Totally. So Karen starts off by sharing that her journey really started at the age of 24. It was a year after she had had a traumatic emergency C-section. And a year after that had happened, she started to notice having these chest pains. At the time, it really freaked her out because she had no idea. She thought maybe it could be some heart disease or some stroke or something. And all of the doctors were telling her that she was fine. Um, This started to manifest into health anxiety and starting to overthink everything from like a freckle to, you know, how she was feeling. And it wasn't until later that she was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. She shares a bit about how growing up in the church really impacted her mental health and added more anxiety and fear of losing the important people in her life. And she shares that, you know, through through all of this, that she was able to find the help to realize that her anxiety doesn't define her and also that her anxiety has given her a lot more empathy and compassion. And since she lacked the awareness of anxiety growing up and it was really lonely, she feels she's on a mission now to make sure to normalize talk around mental health and around anxiety and depression um, and has even written a book about it, which she shares some of some of her writing in the episode, which was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. This was this was Karen, you are awesome, right? Yes. Like this was just such Margo and I, when, when we all like hung up with Karen, we just had like such lightness in our hearts. Like we just felt like, you know, she's just so adorable, but not in like the mm-hmm. cutesy way, but in like the way of like adoring someone. Yeah. It's the yes. authenticity. Yes. Right. It's it's the radiation of just pure herselfness. Yes. Yes. That made me feel like really safe with her. And it's like, I know we're here to hold space for our guests, but I always feel that some, I mean, I just feel really lucky that so many of our guests also hold space for us, even though they're not listening to our journey and our story, right. They're just, just by being open and present. Yeah. And that was really a theme that you all warriors are going to hear in this conversation is just that Karen is deeply present person. Yeah. And, um, we cannot wait for you all to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, Here's the show. 
Welcome back, Warrior Fam. Yay! We are so thrilled to be welcoming our next Warrior guest onto the show. Her name is Karen Schock. Karen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here. A little yes. nervous. have a little anxiety about it, but we're good. You're in a good place for that. Yeah. You know what's so funny too is I feel a little nervous every time we hit record. Every single time in all these episodes that we've made, almost a hundred of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's always that little bit of buzzy energy that goes on when you're like about to put your voice out there. Right. Yeah. So we are just so grateful for, for you for deciding to join our um, warrior fam and yeah. share your journey. So let's just dive right in. Karen, tell us all about how anxiety has shown up in your life. Okay. I, I was such a happy little kid. Um, I do think I had anxiety back in the day when I was little, but I obviously didn't know that that's what it was. Um, when I got married, when I was about 24 years old, had a C-section emergency C-section and that knocked me for a loop. A year later, it was, it was a year later. I didn't, I had no idea what anxiety was. It wasn't talked about, about back then. This would have been like in the 1900s. So way back then, <laughs> we lived I, way back then there too. We were there with you. <laughs> there you go. 1994. I remember the day um, that I had my first bout of anxiety and it was about, it was almost a year to the date from my C-section. Mm-hmm. And so I, and it was a perfect storm. I had, I was hormonal. I um, had started to lose a ton of weight and it was a year to the date, about to the date. And I had chest pain and I just thought I was having a heart attack and yeah. nobody could tell me any different. And back then, it, like, seriously, in 1994, nobody talked about anxiety and depression, no right. one. And so I was just like, I'm having a heart attack, went to see, I don't know how many doctors had all the tests um, was so scared. And I remember the one doctor just looked at me and said, it's not your heart. It's not your heart. It's not your heart. You're 20. And I'm like, okay, then it's something like I'm dying of something. And funny story, my parents, I ended up on the couch at my parents' house at that point. Then we had two little ones. We had a baby before we were married too. So we had two little ones and I ended up on the couch at my parents' house. So my husband could work. Um, because I was a mess mm-hmm. and laying there, I, I went and got on my parents in my parents, like encyclopedias. And I got there, they had a reader's digest. Cause this is before computer. This is before <laughs> any internet. There was no Dr. Google back then. So I got on, um, I got into my parents reader's digest for people over the age of 50 medical book. John's John Hopkins medical book. And I was having a stroke and brain tumor and all the thing, Alzheimer's, you name it. I was having it because of this John. Hop- and it got to the point where I felt like they would hide the book from me mm-hmm. and I would go find it. I'm a 24 year old girl. And I would go find that dang book. And I just knew something was wrong with me. And no one could tell me any different. The doctor finally sat down and said, you have depression. And I'm like, I'm not depressed. Like I'm, you know, I was anxious, but I wasn't depressed. He goes, no, this is depression. And I'm, and then I'm I'm crying in the office going, I'm not sad. I'm not depressed. What is this? Um, So he put me on just like something to help me sleep, but no antidepressant at that point. Um, but it was about a six month deal that first time. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get it figured out. My poor husband would just, you know, we're, we're young. And he was like, what are are we going to do? Is this my, is this who I'm married? Is this my life now? Um, yeah. And somehow over the six months, I think I realized, okay, I'm not dying, you know? Um, and then it came up almost every time after I had a baby then. Like, I think it was probably hormonal, um, but it would hit me again. And I did different medications and different things. But over the years, I've gone in and out of anxiety and depression. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
there, there's, there's, there's so much. And you, you definitely like gave me chills at the point where you're talking about like reading the reader's side, right. The reader's digest and like self-diagnosing, because I know that like I can relate and so many warriors can relate to, you know, Googling WebMD and going in like spiraling and it's like, okay, well I have cancer and I have heart disease. And then you see doctors and they're not giving you information on what's actually going on. And it's just like the constant, like perseverating or ruminating of the thoughts because you just want an answer. Right. And then on top of that, you're a new mom of like two kids at this point. Like it sounds like so much. So my, my first question is like, when did you actually get the label anxiety? Right. Cause Depression and anxiety are friends. They they are related. They're maybe cousins, but they're different. And so when when did you finally like know, oh, this is anxiety? I think a few months into that first time, but again, there was no information anywhere. There was no internet. And I didn't know anybody who had anxiety and depression. Like if they did, like I know you know, a couple of people would be like, well, this person has, you know, and it would be something horrible and they were on volume and, you know, like it was a big deal or it was nothing. Yeah. And so just trying to figure out like, what is going on with me? I would say, yeah, that first time they did diagnose it as anxiety and depression, but it wasn't until probably the second time where they put me on an antidepressant and I realized, mm. okay, wait, this is working. Mm. And then I, you know, but I will say it ended up being anxiety and depression that went along with hypochondria. Like I would, and now we call that what health anxiety, Dr. Google calls it health anxiety. <laughs> Dr. Google, and, uh, I love that. Yep. I've got, you know, I've, I've got a degree in that I'm sure. By yes. <laughs> Some kind of medical degree. I mean, people you have a doctor right in it. Yeah. They come to me to ask me, what do you think this symptom is? And I'll be, oh yeah, I know what that one is. Yes. So. Yeah, That's it's kind of impressive. I, you know, I probably prefer to talk to you, Karen, than to go <laughs> online and figure it out for myself. So I, I'm dying to know, did any of these doctors connect your experience to the traumatic births that you had? Like, no. so, right. Mm. I was going to say, I'm like, not only were anxiety and depression things that were not discussed, right. But postpartum, right. Having traumatic birth experiences, the fact that you started to, you at least maybe even years later, started to make those connections to connect those dots of like, oh, this happened every time I gave birth, or I would notice this uptick, uh, uh, uptick in this physical manifestation, this experience in my mind and body around this time. And so I know you mentioned could have been hormones or, and that's probably very, very possible, or it could have been part of it. But the fact that no doctor was even potentially connecting, right. Your experience with anxiety and depression with your births, like it's yeah. just, it's wild. Right. No one, I would say no one until probably the last 10 years when I started to see a counselor and we started to get to the bottom of some things. It was mm. like, Oh, and I started to write out more and different things. And then it was like, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, definitely going back through the whole experiencing experience of the C-section and realizing like, no, my son didn't die and I didn't die in it, but there were moments in it that I thought I was going to die. And they thought my son was going to die, yeah, you know, yeah. and then they told, they sent him away to another hospital that had a NICU right away and said he had a um, aneurysm on his brain or a broken blood vessel on his brain. So then the next oh, five days I'm in the hospital, he's in a different hospital they're telling me at that point I had postpartum depression and I'm like, no, I'm actually scared to death and I'm in a lot of pain. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was a lot wow. that went into it that was trauma-based and right. I could bring in too the fact that I was learning stuff spiritually, um, grew up in a very evangelical house. My husband and I ended up being youth leaders and college leaders and all these kind of things. And so then I'm learning stuff about God choosing some people and not choosing others and all of this kind of stuff. And I'm yeah. homeschooling my kids too, by the way, I was homeschooling. So there was a lot going into it, but wow. I was learning all that and having been so confused about who God was and so scared yeah. that he was going to take my children right. and that, I had, you know, there was nothing I could do. And that if I worshiped my children more than I worshiped him, 
that he that would be like an idol and he would take the idol away to put himself up in in its place yeah, that was a wow. huge part of it that's a huge part of my story just trying to figure out like rocking my kids crying saying lord please i you know i love them but i love you more like please know mm. i love you more right you know that right right like, ah, so no that's i mean that just sounds i mean it sounds terrifying right because when you're when you're taught this about god right and certain things happen to certain people you're like I don't, I don't want to be that person. Like, what do I need to do to prove my love to you? Right. I mean, it just sounds terrifying. And like, I don't want to lose my children. So I, I need to love you more, you know, like exactly. it, it sounds, yeah. I mean that type of, I, I, I can't even really, I have to like sit with that type of terror, like that existential type of, of fear, because your mind is probably like always calculating, like, what can I do to make God like keep my family whole or, you know, like that's kind of what I'm thinking of when I hear that story. Yes. And if you're afraid, God, I, I had an older lady in the church tell me that because I had this health anxiety and I was having very real anxiety and I was going to her for help. She told me I was flipping God off. She's like, you oh. know, you're flipping God off, right? And giving him the finger. And I'm like, mm. okay, great. So, <laughs> you know, I don't trust God. I had another older gentleman in the church. I didn't know this was going to go this way, but I had an older, another older uh, gentleman in the church that told me, he's like, you know, God can heal you of that eye problem that you have. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have eye cancer. Like, I, I mean, I'm thinking he yeah. sees something in my eyes. And he goes, no, I'm talking about I as in capital I, you, you think about yourself way too much. Oof. So my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it, because it becomes a spiritual thing that it's not about medication and it's not about hormones. It's actually about your trusting in this God. And, and so then it becomes too, it became a demonic thing. And yeah. like, like they would tell me you have a demon inside of you. A de the demon of fear. So I had, I had two different times specifically that I remember where I would get on my knees and people would lay hands on me and pray that the demon of fear, people I didn't even really know, wow. that the demon of fear would come out of me. And I was hoping it would work because I right. was gone, you know, like, and it, it, it didn't work. It only perpetuated the fear. Right. Of course. Right. I'm like, you're telling me not to be afraid, but you're also telling me to be afraid. Like it just of was being afraid. Yeah. <laughs> it was so messed up. Do you, I just, oh. I have like, so, I have so many questions. Like I'm always <laughs> so curious about this stuff and, and I, I'll, I'll limit it to one, but do you think that you were the brave one being honest about your experience being a human and that everyone else was too afraid to be honest about their thoughts, their feelings, their emotions? And so then you you became the project because of your bravery? Like, oh, yeah. OK, oh, yeah. I still feel that way. And that started when I was younger. And it's been yeah, my son is 29 years old. So it's been 28 years of different things in and out. But I've always I didn't see it that way, right. you know, for a long right. time, these last few years, um, wow. as I started to write my stuff out on Facebook actually is where I started writing and people would be like, you're so brave for telling your story. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just being honest. Like, I don't right. know what else to do with it. Right. And then, but I know you guys know, obviously you have a podcast on it that this is such a huge thing right now. I mean, everybody it's a, it's a big deal. How many people that I meet will say, I have anxiety. I'm on a medication, I, you know? Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. I just, I, it always just warms my heart in, in so many ways. Just when we hear from warriors that take the extremely terrifying and darkest and most adverse experiences of their life, their youth, you know, wh whatever. And eventually do something that not only hopefully serves them and their mental health journey, but is, is also empowering and inspiring other people. Yeah. And that's what we know that you're doing too. And, and we look forward to hearing more about your, your uh, upcoming book later on in, in our interview. But, um, I just, I just want to thank you for sharing all of that. It just, it felt, uh, very powerful as a listener. So I'm just grateful to you for sharing all of that. Um, yeah. 
It's Thank devastating. It's devastating what happened to you in, in so many ways. And I mean, we've spoken to a few people now, right, Ab, who have had mm-hmm. experience with a religious trauma. And um, our most yeah. recent uh, one was our friend, Melissa Durker, who mm-hmm. talked a lot about coming from, you know, um, I, I believe she was also evangelical. I don't now I feel like I'm maybe speaking. I was going to say Southern Baptist, but Southern I, I Baptist. That okay. was it. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, but just how and I, I, you know, I'm in community with several people who have come out of religious trauma, who it is just it's simultaneously wonderful that they've made, th- made it through so much of that oppression and just fear mongering and mm-hmm. just terror, like, terror, <laughs> terror yeah. right. And, and being able to look at, look at, look at it in the rear view and say, okay, but I was the strong one. Like Abby just said, right. You were the strong one. Um, but anyway, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, so I'd love for you to share more about some of the ways that anxiety has shown up in you physically, like how has it manifested itself in your body, in your mind, in your behaviors, things like that, or through the years? Yeah. So like I said, it started out with chest pains and then it, I would say it, it comes on it. It's like terror for me because it it's health anxiety. So any, you know, I see a freckle that looks maybe like it's grown a little bit, or I see a, you know, and I, I can't explain it except for, it's just like, it comes over my entire body. Like it almost feels like electricity and like, I gotta go to the bathroom. Like it just feels (laughs) like horrible. And then it gets to the point where I can't get out of that cycle of thinking It's just like round and round and round. And, and my husband can pick it out. Most people in my life can pick it out. Now they'll say, you're, where are you? You're not with us, you know, cause I will just zone, um, and I'll be somewhere else. And it will be this dark rabbit hole of I'm dying. I know I'm dying. This is it. You know, this one is the one that's getting me. And that's how it manifests. When I, when I talked to my counselor about it, I was like, why am I going there? Like, I'm nervous about this thing that's happening over here, but my brain goes to hypochondria. And she's like, it's, she's, what she said was, and I believe her, like your brain goes there because that's what your brain knows. Your brain doesn't know how to figure out this thing that you're upset about, or this thing, this is what your brain knows. So it's going to go there and say, okay, well, let's worry about this thing. You know, let's, let's, let's ruminate on that one. And so- me being able to even have permission to think about those things was huge, is huge for me, you know, to let it, to let it go and say, where are we going to get off? You know, do you, do you think that is like, like that was something that happened growing up where when you were growing up, you would instantly go to like worst case scenario. Was that like a thing as a kid? And so that's just like the pattern that happened in the brain. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. There was one other thing as a child that happened to me that because of the evangelical Christian, I don't know if you guys have heard of like rapture stuff or that. Okay. Just a little bit. You can explain it to our audience if you want. Okay. Well, I might not really know it either. I, you know, okay. That's good for you. I'm glad you don't. (laughs) Um, Because it's a crock of (laughs) when I was nine years old. I went to a movie. My parents took me to a movie and on a new year's Eve, I'll never forget it. It was for high school kids. It was a youth camp thing for high school kids, Christian thing. And it was a movie called a thief in the night or a uh, distant thunder. And we sat there and I sat on my dad's lap should have never been there. And it starts off with um, somebody's alarm going off and everybody's disappearing okay, in the world. And the lady wakes up and her husband's gone. And then it's seven years of what the Bible would say in revelations, only it doesn't say this, but this is just what they believed in the seventies. Um, and still do a lot of people still do believe this today, but, uh, they come in and they're running the people that if you, if you say you believe in Jesus, then you're going to get killed during these seven years, if you, and you can't find food and you, but you, if you get the mark of the beast, then you're good. 
and you can buy food and you won't get killed. And at the very end, the lady who, whose husband had gone up with Jesus, she says that she's, she's going to willing to die for Jesus because she's not going to get the mark of the beast. And she gets her head chopped off at the very end, like the guillotine. Now I went back and watched it about a couple years ago. I went back and watched it on YouTube. I found it. And I mean, it's so horribly made movie, horribly made movie, bad acting. And they use like a, just like a a laundry basket to catch the heads in. Like it was just, it's pathetic, but it was terrorizing. I went home that night and I slept in between my parents and I held both of their hands so tight and just like, I did not want God to take them. And then, and then I just became this little evangelist telling all my friends, you know, better ask Jesus into your heart or you're going to get your head chopped off. So that became my life. And my life became one of, boy, I hope I can be in this wedding before Jesus returns. Everything was before Jesus returns. I hope I can, you know, so my whole, I think that played into the whole, I hope I can see my kids grow up and I don't get cancer and die. I hope Mm -hmm. I, there's just, there's a lot there. I've been through a lot of counseling, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we've I mean, we've heard that with the people that come out through religion and 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 are talking about religious trauma. It's like there's so many different pieces that they have to pull apart. It's not just like, oh, now here I am and here's my spirituality and here's the church. It's like, no, like who I am and the church are one. And I'm keep trying to figure out who I really am and what is the church. And exactly. yeah. All right. So share with our listeners a little bit about some of your go-to strategies for coping with your anxiety. Um, What are like the things that really support you now when you notice like things are getting a little hairy or um, when you're struggling? So like, I'd love to hear, we'd love to hear more about that. Yes. Well, praying the demons out does not work. Oh, got it. Noted. (laughs) I'll stop trying that one now. (laughs) Turns out that one didn't work. So there's no quick fix. Um, Oh, I love it. There's no, it's so true. I mean, it's so, it, that applies to like everything. There's no quick fix, right? right? There might be quick moments of like something feels great, but there's no quick fix. It's a, it's a practice. It's a process. Okay. Keep going. Uh, Sorry. I just loved that. Yeah. So a lot of deep breathing, uh, learning to breathe. Um, yoga has helped a ton, which was demonic, of course, in my, you know, but I, it's a beautiful thing that I love and works well taking walks. I know that that's important. If I'm not, you know, out taking a walk, I'm not a runner. I'm not a big exerciser like that, but man, if I can get in a walk during the day, that will help. Um, so medication and meditation is both of them together. Um, and anything, I think I've tried anything and probably everything, every, you know, don't eat this, do eat this, relax about what you're eating. It doesn't, you know, like all the things I've gone down those, it's been a long 29. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's amazing. But I love hearing helps. what breathing helps. Like if oh, I start yes. to get, and if I can just, you know, breathe in for four, hold for five, breathe out for six, you know, I can, I can. Yeah. I can calm myself down pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the go-to strategy. Like that one, like for me, it's, it's not even the counting breath for me. It's just the long exhale. It's like, yes. Right. And like, as long as it can go. Right. And, and breathing totally, totally helps. Um, and, and I know, I know I can relate. I I'm pretty sure I can speak for Margo in the relating. And I, I feel like I can speak to at least most of our warriors in the trying everything. Right. And, and then at some point it's like, wait a second, a lot of these things are just snake oil anyway. You know, it's like, you know, breathing's not snake oil, but like the, all the fad diets that are going to help with your anxiety. It's like, no, it's finding the balance. It's like, you know, befriending yourself in it. And so, um, I just, I really relate to like, especially in my twenties and in, in my early thirties, it was like always scrambling for the next thing and, and for the quick fixes. Yes, for the right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause if and I just change my exist. diet, it's going to change everything. Yep. Yeah. 
Right. And it's like, that's the problem too. It's like the word fix has so many inherent problems because it's like it changing your diet may be helpful, right? It may wind up trickling down to a whole bunch of wonderful benefits for you physically. Does that mean that next time you have an anxiety attack or any kind of panic or whatever that, okay, well, I guess the diet didn't work. So I better just let it go. I mean, it's just like the idea that we can just snap our fingers and do this one or two things and well, all my anxiety is cured now. It's just such a false narrative. It's so frustrating for Abby. I know I can speak for both of us here because we've talked about it so often. It's so frustrating when we see those kinds of things being advertised to us on Instagram or on the internet. And it's, and it's all the grander messages is that there's something wrong with you and mm-hmm. we need to zap it out. We need to fix it. Yeah. And Abby always uses this phrase, we need to companion our anxiety, right? And I always call my anxiety like my teacher and my best friend named Bertha, right? And so like for us, it feels really supportive to look at anxiety as something that is part of us, not something that has to be zapped out or that makes us bad or wrong. And so I just love Karen that you're like trying a little bit of everything because it just means that there's an understanding that not one thing is going to just be a be all end all for you all the time. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So good. Okay. Um, so how would you describe your relationship to anxiety these days? Okay. That's such a good question. I wanted to just look real quick. I, in my book, I have written a part of what I talked about at a women's retreat. I don't know, this was a couple years ago, but this was so huge for me because it's exactly what you were just saying in that A few years ago, I was having a huge, I was going through it. I would say I have like, I'm in and out of it, you know? And this was one of those times where I was going through it. And I looked at my husband and I said, it's just like, there's something inside of my brain. And well, first I was thinking if I could just cut that part of like the part that has the freckle on it, the mole on it, if I could just cut that part of my body off, if I could just but I can't because I know it's going to come back somewhere else. Right. Mm. It's going to manifest somewhere else. And I said, okay, so then let me just cut that part of my brain out. Like, I just want to get that part, that anxious. And then I realized like, and again, I am not anywhere near what I was years ago, as far as being a fundamental evangelical Christian like that, there's been so much deconstruction that has happened in my faith. Um, but I do know that there are verses where, where Paul in the Bible says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a demon to torment me. And I asked God three times to take it away. And he did it, you know, because he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And I was just like, okay, so I've got this thing that's in my life and it's been in there for 25 years. I've got this anxiety that's here and it's been here for 25 years and if it's here for another 25, I'm going to be okay. You know, mm. and then I went and I made a list and my list is, um, do you, can I just read it or, sure. okay. I made a list of being grateful for my anxiety and being grateful in, in the midst of my anxiety. So I wrote down in spite of my anxiety, I have raised four children. I homeschooled all four. I have a pretty fun life. Wait, I have been a pretty fun wife. I am even more fun of a grandma. Mom and dad lived with us for 10 years. I had the honor of ushering both of them into heaven. I have always had the honor of watching several of our little family members enter this world. Kevin and I have led high school and college ministries. We we started She has a name. I wake up in the morning and still praise God. I have instructed baton twirlers. I have coached cheerleaders. I have been a substitute teacher and I have been writing a book. That's in spite of, but then I made another list that because of, because of my anxiety, I pray a whole lot. I sing a whole lot louder. I love a whole lot deeper. I I hug a whole lot harder. I see others. I feel their pain. I know their pain. I get it when one of my cheerleaders struggles with it. I appreciate the days when I don't have it. I rejoice with others on the days when they don't have it. I'm not as judgmental. I write, I have a dog, I eat better, 
I exercise more. I see a therapist. I am practically a doctor, Dr. Google. I can laugh at myself. I read books. I meditate. And I'm not actually as afraid of the big stuff. I can dance in our kitchen. I can dance with my husband. I can dance with our grandkids. And I'm writing a book about all of it. Mm. Oh, that was again, audio media. So of course, Abby and I were just delivering just boatloads of sparkle and shine and twinkles. To yeah. Karen. You that all know that. <laughs> absolutely beautiful. Karen. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So powerful. I love the in spite of, and then because of, right. Yes. Like the, it's like the yes. And both at the same time. Right. I feel like that's like a good practice for the warriors is like, if y'all have a chance to like journal, mm-hmm. like writing both those lists down, um, I really liked the because of, because we don't always think of all the things we have accomplished because of our anxiety or the things that we've learned or the things that we've experienced. So that, that was just very touching and very beautiful. We wouldn't know each other. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. Okay. Ooh, a full body chest. Amazing. Okay. Um, if you could go back in time and speak to a younger version of yourself, what would you say to her? I would tell her it's, it's going to be okay. Mm. It's all going to be okay. I'd tell her to take deep breaths. I'd tell little Karen, I would actually tell her that her name is going to get run through the mud when she's an adult. Yes. In Who knew? Who knew which name? It could have been any name. <laughs> yep. Of course, right here. I go to Starbucks and I'm like, they'll say, what's your name? And I'm like, Karen. <laughs> and they laugh. But- and I'm not fast enough on my feet to think like say a different name (laughs) oh no you're just you're reframing it everyone that listens just hears this amazing lovely inspiring Karen right like (laughs) the spectrum of Karen's (laughs) that would never I would never speak to the manager I'm not like that (laughs) it's not so Oh, I love that I love that perfect advice and it's true it's gonna be okay I think that's like you know, in, in any moment where we're feeling anxious, that's like the, the, the anchor that can anchor us into the present. It's like, this is horrible right now and it's going to be okay. Right. Take a breath, but you'll get through it. Like you've gotten through everything before, right. You can do the hard things. Yeah. And it doesn't define, it doesn't define me. I have spent so many years thinking I'm a loser because I have to take medication or because I, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, it, this isn't, this is not who I am. You know, I'm a seven. I don't know. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I love to have a good time. I love to have a lot of fun. I love to dance and sing and be crazy. And my husband told me the other day, we were talking, we have a lot of deep talks and I, in the morning on, since we don't go to church on Sunday (laughs) anymore, we sit and have wonderful discussions as we listen to Lionel Richie singing easy like Sunday morning Um, and I said why like why did you pick me why did why did you pick me that summer that you came home from college and he said you know I've been thinking about it the next day he came back to me he said I've been thinking about it and it's because you were fearless back then Mm -hmm. and I was like fearless and he's like yeah you you don't I'd say, let's go do this. And you'd be like, yeah, let's go do this crazy thing. And we did some crazy things. And I, I lost that part of my identity somewhere with all of the anxiety and depression. My life became defined by fear instead of being fearless. So Mm -hmm. it's been exciting in these last few years to, to realize too, like we're getting some of that fearlessness back, whatever that means. Right. Yes. It's reclaiming it. It's like, it. yeah. Oh, a little love fun. And redefining it. Maybe fearlessness yeah. for yourself now in this stage of your life looks very different from, you know, the young person who was fearless or the super, excuse me, we're all young here. The super, super young person. The person was, in the 1900s. <laughs> right. Back in the <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's, that's amazing. And I love that you've swapped church for just like good old fashioned, deep conversation. That's yeah. Connection, connection, connection and conversation. Yeah. So good. Yep, and I'm not a, tr- I'm not a church hater. I'm not, I love, like Absolutely. I said, I still love Jesus. I just am not tied down to the system and the institution that is institution. built on here. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Beautiful. Yes. Okay. All right. Final question before we get into some lightning round fun. 
What does being an anxiety warrior mean to you? Wow. Um, it, it, it does mean being grateful, mm-hmm. being grateful for the life that I have and living in the moment. You know, like I, I realize now because when you have the anxiety, a lot of times um, it's either I'm anxious about something that I did in the past that I'm worried about, or it's something that's going to happen in the future. And if I can stay in the moment and be like, okay, right now, take a deep breath. We're going to be okay. We're good right now. So learning to live in the moment and be grateful for what I have in the moment has been life-changing and exactly what I would say in order to be an anxiety warrior, you kind of have to learn to live in the moment. For sure. Yes. So good. So good. All right. Wow. This has just been such a special conversation, Karen. Thank you so much, but it is time to play. It is officially (laughs) time to play. Are you ready for lightning round? Okay. Okay. Bring it on. Okay. My my last name is shock. So that's right. You're ready to to shock, shock us with your answers. Yes. I'm excited. I'm excited. Me you, too. And you've just made me more excited with that. Like a little burst of energy reminding me your name. Uh, okay. So Abby and I are just going to go back and forth and ask you a handful of fun, get to know you type questions. You do not have to answer at lightning speed. You can take a pause, take a breath, consider your answer. And we're just going to have some fun for a few minutes because anxiety is um, sometimes can be kind of heavy and talking about our past traumas and things that we've gone through can sometimes feel a little bit weighty here, uh, here and there. And so we like to end on a super fun, silly, playful high note. Yeah. So Abby, I'll go, go first. For- oh. I, I got some loaded. I'm oh, ready. God. Okay, fine. fine. Yeah. I'm going to relinquish. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when, when we were reading the intake form, I saw that you like something that gives me extreme anxiety, which is roller coasters. So Tell us about your favorite roller coaster and why is it your favorite? What makes it your favorite? So in Ohio, which is my home state, the Cedar Point is in Ohio up near Cleveland and they have the Millennium Force and (laughs) the tallest and smoothest. And it goes like other roller coasters, you know how it goes click, 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 really yep. slow up. And it's like just torturous. Yes. Right? Yeah. This one you go up all the way up and it's all the way to the top and you can see the lake and it's beautiful. And then you just, what you have to do, can I teach you something? Yeah. You have to put your hands up all the way, like lean into it, like lean into the hill all the way straight up. And then you put your feet against like the bottom yeah. of the so your feet are holding you, your arms are all the way up and you lean in and you just go for it. That's what oh you got to do if you want to enjoy it. If you're like scared, then yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. I'm always I'm- scared <laughs> when it comes <laughs> to roller coasters. I will take you on one and you'll learn. <laughs> I love you'll it. Learn. No, no. Okay. No, this is such a hard pass for me. <laughs> I feel, I feel like an intense amount of boundaries, like imaginary boundaries, just shot up around my body. Just listening to that terror, which oh is good. Gosh. And and I did, it's in the book too, because I, there's a, my oldest daughter. I made her ride one of those roller coasters when she was nine. And she told me just last year, she said, mom, I just want you to know you're our family fun. You made it into this, like, it's a moral thing. And she's like, I need to have the freedom to be me. She's like 30. And I'm like, you're right. You're right. I don't so I'm the freedom to say no to a roller coaster. I am. But you did so good. You, your daughter told you, right. Yeah. She said, and you were like, you're right. That's like, that is what every person needs to hear. Like if you, that means you set her up to be able to tell you no, mom, I have paved my own way. And what's true for me may not be true for you. And we can all go and be happy. Her on the earth, enjoy gravity, <laughs> you in the sky. You know. And I just want to say for the record, I enjoy a roller coaster as long as I can get straight on. I cannot wait. I can't wait for even mm. one minute. Mm. Otherwise, I understand. the whole situation's bad. And I'm, I'm down for the ones that go over. 
Like okay. when I'm strapped yeah. this way, where there's the thing over my it shoulders, then yeah. you can't lean in. Yeah, no, exactly. But, I'm not getting that discomfort in my belly. That's like, oh my God, what is happening? I love that Karen, I am an Enneagram six. Okay. I overthink everything. I, I am not a wing seven. I'm a wing five. Ah, okay. So I, that's how I, yeah. Are you a wing six? Yeah. Okay. All right. So you have a little bit of that, like protectiveness in you, but I do. For, I'm a full shell with like very little, like, but anyway, anyway. All right. Excellent question. Okay. You could win a dream vacation for your whole family to anywhere in the world. Where would you take everyone? It's gotta be the beach. It's gotta be the ocean. Yes. And I want it to be blue water. Mm -hmm. Like, um, so like the Bahamas, Mm. it's gotta be like where you can walk out and you're like up to here and you can see the, yes but it also has to be a resort where I don't have to cook at yes. all yeah oh, yes. all inclusive yeah all inclusive butler yes dream vacation means sky's the limit right yeah. like yes. well, and, and I would take like a New Zealand or an Australia too yeah all right but that's very different from the Bahamas <laughs> right but isn't it Pretty, you still get, yeah, you still get beaches, oh, you still beautiful. Get, like crystal blue waters. So just like not into the, it would take a lot for me to like go to Italy or Paris or. Yeah. You know, I hear you or, on the like, beaches. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds solid. All right. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned that you've taught cheer and I never did cheer in high school. Um, but I loved cheering the cheers in, um, in the, in the crowd. Yeah. What is either your favorite cheer to teach or your favorite cheer to do and then do it? Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is so fun. <laughs> Shock us, Karen. Shock <laughs> us. <laughs> um, shoot. That's so big. <laughs> I know so many. Um, I love when we're when, for basketball. Yeah. I love to do, we want a basket now. We want a basket now. Hey, we want a basket now. We want a basket now. Hey, like I like those. Woo! Things. Yes. Let's yes. go boys. Let's go girls. Yes. You just nice brought me back. I forgot about that one. I was all about like the B aggressive, B E aggressive, B E A G G R E S S I V E, B aggressive. There you go. I remember that one. I like it. I like the simplicity of that one. Like the crowd can get going on that one. They don't have to remember too many words. No, I like the crowd one. The ones that crowd can do with you. Right. They can participate. Yeah. So good. Okay. Next question. What decade was your favorite style mm. and if you could bring back unless it's this decade if you could bring back one type of style or item of clothing and like make it cool again mm. if it's not still cool what would it be wow um I feel like I'm so old that everything's come in and went and then come in and went and come in. Um, but I really am loving, like, I just love a sweet, a cute little sundress. Like, and, and I feel like those are still pretty much in. Timeless. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. There's no decade for a sundress. <laughs> just just the, the short ones. Cause I'm short and like the long ones just don't work for me. I feel like but... the 90s had some nice sundresses, right? The 90s. Yeah. And I like color. I'm all about color. So also yeah. maybe 80s to 80s, 90s had lots of brightness going on. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, we did. Lots of neon. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah. I wouldn't take the 80s. I would. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not, no. yeah. Not the 80s hair for sure. No. Wind our hair. No. All right. My final question. So, um, I love how you referenced the late 1900s. <laughs> I love that because, <laughs> you know, Margo and I also, we grew up in the late 1900s. Um, yes. so thinking about the late 1900s, you know, no computers, no cell phone. Well, okay. There was computers, but not no internet. Right. What was right. one of your favorite activities to do in the late 1900s? 
in the late. Okay. So when I was in the fourth grade, my dad, before it was any, nobody ever had one. This was, we got a trampoline in our backyard, a round trampoline. There were no anything, you know, it was, mm-hmm. there was nothing safe. Nothing right. safe about. <laughs> I'm telling you. So I was, again, that was same year, same year as the rapture thing. So there was so much good and bad all together in one night here, but got a trampoline. And I'm telling you from that, we had it until I was a sophomore. So six years Wow, it made me so stinking popular in our yeah. little <laughs> town. I mean, boys came all the time. Uh, it was such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Love trampoline. It. And we just stay out there for hours and it's so fun. Go out there and make out on the trampoline when, after mom and dad went to bed, you know, all the fun Interesting. Things. We had a pool. So that was where all that's that amazing. stuff happened. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I had that's nothing. <laughs> mom. <laughs> right. Calling you out, Fran. Cool kid. <laughs> Calling out Fran. <laughs> but I would never let my children have a trampoline because I knew how dangerous they were. Oh, I know. I love that. I, I'm the same way. I would like so jump on the trampoline as like a kid but nowadays it's like oh my gosh that thing is so dangerous <laughs> like, death traps yeah. yeah and my neck still hurts I'm 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 positive my neck and my brother has a neck issue too and we think oh that's it blame the trampoline yeah all right okay final question do you have a favorite quote it could be something silly lighthearted. it could be something that deeply inspires you Um, but like, what is your favorite quote and maybe why? Okay. So I have that. My mom, um, who I said in that thing that she lived with us for 10 years, um, before she passed away, she was the greatest. My mom was the best. And, um, she would say all the time, I I do what I can when I can, if I can, Mm -hmm. and if I can't, it's okay. Oh, said it all the time. We actually, after she passed away a couple years ago, we all have like pictures that say that on it. And I don't know where she got it from, but she would say it all the time. You, well, you know what? I do what I can. And she did not understand anxiety and depression for nothing. Like that was, that was hard for me, but that was my, but she had a love for people and a love for life. And Mm -hmm. that was her biggest thing. And she was serious about that. It's okay if I don't get it done. Yeah. You know? It's like so good. just boundaries right there. <laughs> like it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yep. Say the quote one more time, please, Karen. Yep. I'll do what I can, when I can, if I can. And if I can't, it's okay. Mm. So good. Yeah. I'm gonna just like go ahead and digest that and live it myself. Mm-hmm. There you go. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for getting down in the mud and playing with us yeah. after all that inspiration. I'm just, we are just so grateful that you um, came to chat with us today. And uh, before we have you share with our listeners, how they can connect with you and a little bit more about your upcoming book that's coming out really soon. Um, we like to ask all of our guests to share one win, big or small that happened to you this week or recently. So do you have a win to share with us? Yes. I finally went to a psychiatrist. I've not ever been to an actual psychiatrist. All the medications have been from my regular doctor. And she finally said in the fall, she finally said, you know what? You're above my pay grade. So (laughs) sent me to a psychiatrist and this would have, would have been 10 days ago. And they, she changed my meds completely up. She diagnosed me. I was late to the meeting. It was a virtual meeting and I was late because I forgot. And, um, then she asked me a hundred questions and diagnosed me with ADHD. Yes. <laughs> you, you got ADHD warriors here. Yes. Air five. Yeah. So, and generalized anxiety. So, um, she said I wasn't OCD, but I, it was a win because she changed my meds. Cause I told her I can't cry on Prozac. Mm-hmm. And so she changed some to something and I feel really good right now. So nice. it's a win. It is a win. And, and I'll just say like, when I got the diagnosis of ADHD and then like started to understand it, it like so many things started to make more sense about me. Right. And so like getting these labels can help with understanding parts of us that maybe we didn't understand before. 
Um, yeah. When you said, when you said something, when you were doing the spirit finger thing, I was like, oh, that means I'm too loud because that was one of my questions. Are you loud and you don't know it? And I was like, I don't know. Mm. That weekend I was at a dance competition with my oldest daughter and she was like, mom, shh, mom, shh, so loud. I'm like, okay, I guess I am. Yeah. I've learned to accept it. I've been told to quiet down quite a lot. I have a loud voice. They're like, oh, you're so loud. I'm like, "Mm, oh, well, now back in the day, I was like embarrassed. And I'm like, it's my voice. Maybe take a few steps away. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly right. It's my voice. And maybe, maybe you should back up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm standing here. (laughs) Never make yourself small is the, is the end, is the ultimate game, right? Don't, don't make, don't minimize yourself or your voice for anyone. Love that. Oh, great. Um, all right. So Karen, share with our listeners how they can connect with you, where they can find you um, and anything else briefly you want to share about your book. Okay. I just got a new website. I just, um, Karen is my website and you can get information on when the book comes out. Um, we don't have the cover yet, but it'll be out on April 18th. And so that information will be on my website. Um, and podcasts, like if with your permission, I would put this podcast on there so they could listen to that on from mm-hmm. there, you know, just different things like that about me. Um, there's rainbows everywhere on there. Cause like I said, I love color. So yeah, that's where you can, and you, my email address, all that kind of stuff is on there. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. All right, Karen, thank you so much again for being a, a warrior guest on our show. Um, we're just honored and super grateful. Yes. Thank you. I'm so glad this was so fun. Thank you guys so much. You guys are precious. Oh, thank you so much. We appreciate you. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. This episode. Yeah. This interview. Yeah. My heart's like bursting. Honestly, she's so Karen is just such a warm light. She's very glowy. She redefines the name Karen, right? Now we can start totally. calling people a Karen when they're having a warm, glowing light and, yeah. and and just being a lovely person. Agreed. Yes, she's warm, she's glowy, she's filled with light, and she's also just a sweetheart of a person. And I just feel like super connected to her, even yes. though almost nothing about our stories is aligned. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's always, there's always little things, right? Yeah. There's always those pieces that are through lines for me and all of our guests. And I know the same is true for you, mm-hmm. but there were a lot more differences in this conversation in many ways than there have been in, the, in at least in, in terms of some of our more recent guests. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just so grateful that she came on and shared her story. It was just so powerful. Um, I think my first takeaway kind of wrote it down verbatim. It's just that there's no quick fix. Yeah. I really loved that. I mean, we've, we've said it and we've heard it in so many different ways, but it really stood out to me in this conversation because she kind of sprinkles in how she's tried so many different things, like Mm -hmm. a little bit of everything. I'm sure like most of us warriors, Mm -hmm. but the, the common denominator is that nothing is fast. Nothing is a zap and fix all. Nothing is going to cure anxiety and depression, right? right. Or postpartum or wh- whatever it is that you're dealing with. There are no things that are just going to be that one perfect tool or that one methodology that just takes away all of your struggle. And so right. I just really loved that quick phrase of just, yeah. there's no quick fix. It's just a powerful reminder. Yes. So, um, yes. Yes. And, and, and I'll, I'll add to that, um, in the, in the, that there's no quick fixes and there are quick practices, right? Like, because she was sharing how like breathing and yoga and going for walks all support her. Right. And so it doesn't like fix the anxiety, but it supports us in the moment. So that's like the part, like she, she shared those two parts together. And I really enjoyed that because I totally agree. There's no quick fix and there's tools that can support us in the moment. You know, if we remember to practice and use them. Totally. With um, practice, right? <laughs> yeah, with lots of practice and, and remembering. Yeah. Um, uh, one one of my takeaways uh, is, and and I'm trying to think about like how I want to frame this, but but really just the impact of 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 words on children, right? Mm. Because um, we were talking about like the doomsday thinking, and maybe that came from um, 
the messages she was getting from the church and the rapture and everything and how when you're a child and you're being told to love and show and be devoted to God or bad things are going to happen. So then there's this fear, but then you're not allowed to feel the fear, you know, because yeah, you <laughs> then you're not fear. loving God. <laughs> like, I mean, my brain is confusing confused in what I'm yeah. saying and I'm a grown up. Right. Exactly. And, and just like, just how, how impactful words are at any age, but especially for children and how we don't know the meaning they make from those words and how it changes their lives, you know, for better or for worse. Mm. Um, and so that was really just something, you know, just her sharing parts of her story from the church. I just kept putting myself in her shoes, right. And imagining what it would be like. And I, I can't even imagine how much more anxiety I would have with this like existential pressure of not loving God enough, you know, like on top yeah. of everything else. And then the fear of that punishment. Um, and so right. I just, it was, it was just a really huge takeaway for me. And I really appreciated her sharing that because it, it, it allows us to really understand, like, we just don't fully understand what people are walking with. Yeah. Gosh. When she said that thing about that man approaching her and saying that, like, I can help you with your eye problem. Oh, that yeah. was very upsetting. Like, so just thinking about, like you're saying the messages that children receive. And I don't even, I don't, now I'm not sure if she was a child when she heard that. I feel like she wasn't. I feel like no, she was at the very minimum, right? A, a young adult yeah. in her early twenties, maybe. Yeah. But still just hearing that at any age is yeah. so deeply troubling and problematic. And yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I feel like she had to persevere through a lot to be able to now be at a place where she is trying to continue to empower herself, her family, her mm -hmm. community, you know, her future book readers. Yeah. And so thinking about words, you know, that was my other major takeaway. It was just that gratitude list that she kind of even, mm -hmm. I think, read verbatim from her uh, upcoming story, which was, um, you know, things that were in spite of her anxiety and yeah. things that were because of her anxiety and just what an amazing practice that was. Yes. And I love that you offered it to our warriors, right? It's like, that is just something that we can all do today or this week that may be super supportive in just categorizing what we're going through. Right. If we feel like we need that, right? right. Um, or if we think it'll be supportive and maybe it's not. And mm -hmm. just like with everything else, so you try it on for size and see if it fits and if it does great. And if it doesn't great. Right. Right. And that, you know, in the, I'm, I'm pretty sure she said um, in the, uh, because of anxiety, she was like, I love more deeply. And I was like, yeah, totally relate to that. Right. right. Like, yeah, it's like it was the because list, mm -hmm. especially that made me the most like buzzy and excited yes. because yes. it was like as warriors, I know from I'll speak for myself. I feel like my life is so easily ruled by my emotions, by my anxiety, by the way that I feel at any given moment that it just feels so much more powerful and special to look at those things as gifts as opposed to things that hold me back and keep me down. Yeah. And so I kept looking at everything she shared in that list, while many of them didn't align with my own personal journey of just like, wow, these are the things that she's done because of her big, big feelings because of her anxiety. Yeah. Not inspired. Yeah. So, yeah. So good. I loved that. Um, my, my final takeaway is just like the power of bravery, the courage, like she is in community with people knowing that she's supposed to be super devoted to God. Right. But this applies to like people in any community. When, when you feel like the odd person out and instead of hiding it, you're brave and you're sharing your actual experience. Like, I mean, I feel like in some ways that's like more anxiety, right? Cause now you're the person that's like getting all the attention for the you know, the thing or whatever, but it just, it really stood out to me the amount of bravery it took to be honest about her experience, to be honest about her suffering in a community where then they just tried to fix her by like removing demons from her. Right. And I just, it really, I, I just, that is so brave. That is so brave to be in community and to stand out and to speak up. And so that's like my, my takeaway is, you know, in, in what, whatever community we're in, like, I don't know, I guess my hope is that we're all able to 
be ourselves in that community, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and be accepted for it rather than, (laughs) rather than be, you know, tortured for it. But, um, Mm -hmm. that really be held not with be held with love, not fear. Yeah. 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 So good. Thank you so much, Karen, for being a guest on our show. We really, really appreciate you warrior. All right, warriors. If you'd like to connect with us for any reason, you can hop on over to Instagram and join our Instagram fam. We're at anxiety warriors podcast, or you can email us at anxiety warriors podcast at gmail.com to shout out your wins of the week, share topic ideas with us. Or if you think you'd be a great fit as a guest on our podcast, we'd love to connect with you and help you share your story here on our platform Take two seconds and smash that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. If you're on Apple, maybe leave us a little review if you're feeling generous. If you don't like our show, peace out. Um, (laughs) Take two seconds then and hop into our show notes and head on over to our Threadless merch shop. Support our show in style by grabbing yourself something fun, a mug, a t-shirt, a journal, a yoga mat, literally anything. Some of our cool designs are up on lots of cool products over there and we hope you'll check them out. Mm -hmm. Uh Yes. Well, thank you all so much for going on this journey with us. We are so grateful that we get to do this with you every week. Till next time.